welcome to the Cincy Slangin' Bearcat Podcast. I'm Coomer, joined as always by Hummer. Hummer, what's up, buddy? If you remove Texas and Oklahoma from the Big 12, currently your Cincinnati Bearcats have the number one rated recruiting class for 2024 in the Big 12. Welcome, Coach Satterfield. Welcome to the Unmet. It's a great day to be a Cincinnati Bearcat fan. Indeed it is, Hummer. Indeed it is. It's been a while. We have not spoken since our last podcast episode with the great Justin Williams, which I thought was a frankly a unique look into his psyche. One thing I've I've left to do on my to-do list is to actually reach out to Justin and track down a Taylor Swift playlist from him. But alas, we have not spoken uh, since then, and, and since that time, the Bearcats played a spring football game in which the Bearcats did win. Since that time... Is there any other thing that can happen in that game? You could lose. I think there, there's ways to lose spring games. We did it, but you could. You could lose. Neither of us were at the spring game for various reasons. One, you live in New York City. Me, I coach a youth soccer team that goes by the multicolored scoring seagulls. And we were busy playing a soccer game that day. Now, if you would like to hear a recap of that game and also five bold predictions that came from it, I would point you to the Go Beer Cats podcast where our friend Brandon and Joe, the councilman Barnett got into a recap of that spring game and had some bold predictions. And I just want to do a quick shout out. Shout out to Brandon, who was definitive in his proclamation that the starting quarterback this coming fall, after watching a spring game, he was definitive in that Emory Jones would seize that job and be the starting quarterback of our Cincinnati Bearcats football team come the fall football season. Hummer, it is April 20th. We are recording this in the evening. And today, Ben Bryant entered the transfer portal, which would seem to point to the to the fact that Brandon's bold prediction is already coming true. Well, before we go down that rabbit hole, we also want to make mention, I, I, I thought we were going in the five bold predictions about the, the, was it the multicolored seagulls? Scoring seagulls. Scoring seagulls. And the takeaways that you had, had from that, that game Stick around for the end. Bonus content. We're going to get five bold predictions <laughs> from you, soccer. We've got half uh, We've got half a season left, and I've probably got more hot takes about that team than I do our, our Cincinnati Bearcats football team. But alas, what's your reaction to the Ben Bryant news today? That is the topic du jour in the Cincinnati Bearcats community. It's it's tough because you have these mixed feelings of, of the performance you saw last year from Ben Bryant. Uh you know, just kind of inconsistent at times, but kind of where I've sat with it is in just, I wasn't really hyped. Memory Jones at the transfer wasn't something I got really hyped about, you know, bounced around from, from two power five schools, kind of really hasn't shown any 
ability, frankly, to to win in those in with those situations that he was he was transferring into from Florida to Arizona and or Arizona State. Now with Ben Bryant, I was maybe more okay with him actually winning this job. I was thinking I was wanting to see him win the job more. Uh, you know, he's been with the Bearcats for, for this would be three out of the four years. This would be his last year finishing up college football in a Bearcat uniform. I'd be excited about it, especially for a season where I frankly don't have high expectations. I don't have expectations that we're going to, you know, be competing for a conference championship. No 13 and no predictions this year. No, no 13 and no. Um, so to me, I think it's a, it was a, a low, what's, what's the right, what's the right phrasing here? It was not a lot. It, we're playing with house money almost, right? We're not, there's not a whole lot we're gambling on here, right? If the expectations are, are low and, and you, and you achieve very little this season, it, well, congratulations. Those were our expectations. They weren't very high. And so I'm just, I don't know. I'm just not excited about Emory Jones, but at the same time, you know what? This is Coach Satterfield coming in. He's putting his stamp on the team right away. This is a guy he brought. They brought in for recruiting. They obviously liked Emory Jones. They want to see what he can do. So, you know, this this is where I guess it's good to see the coaching staff making a commitment to whatever it is they're going to try and build and the product they're going to try and put out on the field. I should clarify one thing that. The reporting that the tweet I saw from Justin Williams um, announcing the fact that Ben Bryant would be entering the portal, it, it did clearly state that Bryant was leaving his options open to return to the University of Cincinnati. And, you know, that that does tell you that he's sort of testing the waters, seeing what's out there. Is there a job or a university or a program out there that will welcome me in where I am? I am the starting quarterback and I don't have to compete for the job because when Ben Bryant is on your football team, one thing is for certain Hummer, you are going to have a quarterback competition. That ben Bryant is trying to, what do they call it? Cuckold us, right? He's trying to have his cake and eat it too, right? Look, it's look, honey, I love you. I'll always be a bear cat. You're, you're my number one. You're my number one girl, but you know what? Daddy needs to go out and have some fun. Daddy's going to go try play. Daddy's going to try and go find someone who wants to play with him. Right. And it's like, you know what? I'm, I'm, do we really think a, a, a professional football coach? Cause that's what these, I know the college, college coach, but they're paid a lot of money. Are they going to sit around and let that roster spot kind of, you know, sit there on the shelf? Are they going to go and find another scholarship player to, to fill that vacancy that, you know, that vacancy with. So I, I think once you enter your name in the transfer portal, it's, I feel like it's a, it's almost a done deal. Like you're gone. Uh, you gotta go. I think it's very likely he does not suit up in a Cincinnati Bearcats uniform again. I think it's probably a bit harsh to say he's cuck. What do you say? Cuck holding? <laughs> yes. <laughs> he's making us watch him get it on. <laughs> I think that might be a stretch, but I, I think that that's what she said. I think that this is clearly a play for Ben Bryant to go out there and find an opportunity where he's the, the, the certain starter. Um, that's, you know, the reason that he left in the first place to go to Eastern Michigan was to join a program where he would be able to play football. He wouldn't be backing up Desmond Ritter. He would join a, a Mac school 
where he could get reps, get on the field, play college football. That is what Ben Bryant prioritized that season. Once Des Ritter's out of the out of the equation and joining the Atlanta Falcons, moving on to the NFL ranks, it made sense for Ben Bryant to come back to Cincinnati in a quarterback room that featured Evan Prater, who was very much an unknown commodity to Cincinnati Bearcats fans, but was tantalizing enough from an athletic profile standpoint, from a handsomeness standpoint, from a, uh, a at one point in time, handsome, handsome, I, at one point in time, at one point in time, being the highest rated recruit in Cincinnati Bearcat football history, Ben Bryant seemed to know if I go back to Cincinnati, I'm going to beat that kid out for the starting spot. And that's exactly what he did. And he was able to start a full season in Luke Fickle's last season, season as head coach and, and do it exactly what he wanted, which was be a starting quarterback in college football. And he did it for a university that I'm sure he, he cares about and enjoys. By entering the portal and saying that I am going to leave my option open to come back and compete for that starting job, there's no way Ben Bryant is coming back here and competing for the starting job. He might come back here, Hummer, but if he comes back here, it's to be the backup quarterback to Emory Jones. I would say that this, this decision to enter the portal is, to me, a clear signal that Scott Satterfield met with him, talked to him, has a vision for where this program's heading in the fall, and was able to make it clear enough to Ben Bryant that you are the underdog in this competition. You are not likely to win this starting position. And therefore cards are on the table. Choose now speak now or forever. Hold your peace. This is your opportunity to enter the portal. And he did. Well, the other thing that, that does have me worried about that. And it's not, it's not worried for Ben Bryant. It's, it's more worry about something I think that gets overlooked at, uh, a decent amount when we talk about uh, football teams, especially when you have a coaching turnover and that's chemistry. Uh, I think we saw some cryptic tweets from players showing some, maybe a little dissatisfaction, um, you know, that players had been here, right. Players that were, were, were recruited under the fickle regime still here. Uh, didn't seem too, too thrilled if, if we were reading their, their cryptic tweets, right. So it, to me, that seems like there might be a little, a lack of chemistry maybe, in the in the locker room that could also you know feature into just overall not a very good opening season for for the bearcats but football at least what we're seeing on our side is recruiting is still a big part of it right there's a lot of positions to fill there's there's going to be positions that aren't nil dependent in terms of getting players here maybe your qb spot right you're going to have these typical positions that are going to command some some dollars in the nil space but there's going to be other positions and a lot of players out there that you can go and recruit to build a really good roster and not have to have necessarily a bankroll the size of alabama to put a decent squad out on the field so by the recruiting class that we put together i think that gives us hope Right, that that he can build this thing and and sustain it and and eventually lead to good success in the Big Twelve. When Scott Satterfield started building out his assistant coaching pool and making the hires with what was the biggest allotment of funds in Bearcat football history, a lot of those funds were being allocated to a recruiting staff, a general manager, recruiting coordinators, and and it was. A lot of hype and people coming from big schools, big time programs with lots of resources, NFL talent, Ohio State talent. It, it was it was making splashes and a bit facetiously, I, I was kind of poking and prodding at the idea of these roles and what exactly they are accomplishing. 
and if there's one thing that's been made clear early in the Scott Satterfield tenure, it's that they are very fucking serious about recruiting. They are getting after it. They are getting commitments. And the Bearcats, in the extremely early days of the 2024 recruiting rankings, are a top 20 school. They are ranked 20th right now in the recruiting rankings. And there's a lot of movement still to come. There are more commitments to come. There are more decommitments to come. Football recruiting is not like basketball recruiting. Do not get emotionally attached to these players until they have signed their letter of intent and they have showed up on campus because things change and things change quickly. But what we are seeing... Ask Brian Hartline. In what respect? How fast things change. (laughs) (laughs) Darling of the Ohio State fan base, the heir apparent. Uh, Isn't it the offensive coordinator? Things changed for a very good way. I mean... Who doesn't get drunk and crash an ATV? (laughs) You haven't? (laughs) You have have most certainly gotten drunk and crashed a recreational vehicle. I refuse to believe otherwise. No, no. On on my bachelor party, I drove the the golf cart successfully, mind you. No accidents, no one injured, just my pride. Are you going to, what's the dumbest thing that's ever, that you've ever crashed or screwed up while wildly intoxicated? Um, I've actually never crashed while, while, while wildly intoxicated. I'm not saying a car because we don't do that. No, you don't drink and drive. No, no. Even, There's, even like an, I have hopped on to the back of a, of a, not even back. I drove a four wheeler at like 4am after a night of drinking and thought I had lost my wedding ring. Turned out it was in a swimming pool that we found exactly one year later at the bottom of that swimming pool. But I was like, no, didn't crash it. You know, didn't crash. Uh, it happens. It happens to the best of us. I, I'm not going to pile on Brian Hartline. It's, it would, it would not be right for someone who, while living in Nagoya, Japan, back in 2009, decided to hop on a bicycle in the middle of the night to bike down to the local McDonald's in Nagoya, Japan, and I booked it as fast as I possibly could. We had picked up the bag. I've got my double cheeseburger. I've got my fries. I've got my Coke Zero tucked into the cup holder, and I am pedaling as fast as I possibly can through through a field of grass, not realizing that very quickly a ditch. A cra- I don't I don't even know how to describe this. It was like so. What you're saying is you went face forward over the handlebars. I went face forward over the handlebars in the middle of the night, wildly well, drunk with a blown out ACL, and somehow lived to tell about it. But I'm just saying it happens to the best of us. The only reason I brought up the Brian Hartline thing, because I know like, I, I was talking to like, not recently, but when, when we were doing our coaching search, a lot of the Ohio State fans that, that I know were, were saying, oh, my God, boy, like, we don't want you to take Hartline, all this blah, 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 Hartline, Hartline. And it got me thinking today, like right now, if Hartline was our coach and this was like the story, I'd be like, oh, Jesus, like we have another Bob Huggins situation on our hand where this guy's going to be wildly successful, but gets too many DUIs in our administration for some reason. Well, not some reason, but they, they go ahead and fire him. <laughs> Brought back somehow a basketball nightmare. <laughs> yeah. I can assure you that this would have been a rougher start if Hartline was the guy. Fortunately, uh, I, I suppose, fortunately Cunningham moved away from the wide receivers coach with no coordinating experience for that job. But alas, Smart. Pretty smart. With regard to Satterfield and his staff, the point the point of that story, folks, is that they are being very aggressive in recruiting and they are landing commitments. And it took some time and it was quiet 
and there was a lot of weeks of no commitments and there was a lot of weeks of uncertainty and there was a lot of weeks of this program's what what do we do here it's boring there's no buzz what's happening and don't don't get me wrong scott satterfield is not a buzzing coach this is not a guy that's going to create a national uh whirlwind of coverage for cincinnati bearcat sports but it does seem like there is a level of effectiveness with the recruiting side of things. And that was something that he did accomplish at Louisville. Gosh, darn it. You're right. I can't believe that you're talking about these scallywags that way. No, I, I, I agree. Cause we were talking, I was like, I don't know how, how to, how to really get this kind of take out. I'm watching the recruiting news come in. Yeah. I'm excited. Like, great. Yeah. Bird songs would be great. You know, highest for rated recruit, another three-star recruit, highly ranked class, top 25. This is great. But the whole time, I'm also thinking, all right, this is the most meh I've ever been about a highly ranked recruiting class. And maybe it's because we just, I haven't really, I don't, I didn't know a lot about Satterfield coming into this relationship, right? And I don't know a lot about him, you know, like now, because you rare, I, I feel like I rarely see him talk. And if I do, I'm like instantly kind of turned off and bored. So I, I, I really just want to see, for me, it, it's still going to be the same thing. I just need to, I need to see the cast start to play. I want to see the schemes they're going to run. I want to see what is actually the product on the field is going to look like before I'm going to judge anything. Because if, if we've learned anything, even with Fickle, he didn't have the highest rated recruiting classes when he first got here, but they picked up, right? Des Ritter, and I'll get into my takes on him a little later. Uh, Des Ritter was not a highly rated recruiting recruit. Turned out he's actually is commanding as at the moment a starting position on an NFL roster at the QB position. Hummer, the Bearcats football program just spent the last three seasons skydiving. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. We jumped out we of the ground. We jumped out of a goddamn plane and we got a parachute on. We're we're falling to the earth at 150 miles an hour. We're screaming our we're screaming our lungs out because we're going undefeated. We're in the national playoff conversation. We're making a college football playoff. And we have hosts of semi-obscure podcasts making predictions that we're going to go 13-0 in that third season and do it again. And, you know, we came up short, but we were competing for another conference title. My point being, when you're, th when you're on that much of a high and that type of run with those types of, those types of stakes... The, the first offseason of a total reset of a program as we head into a Big 12 where the roster is turned over more than any season before. The head coaching, the head coach is turned over. The coaching staff is turned over. There's a level of unfamiliarity here that means we don't know what to expect or we do know in, a, in some respects to not expect undefeated, to not expect even necessarily a winning season, to expect some growing pains and to expect Scott Satterfield to need some time to lay a bit of a foundation. So I think to call it meh or to or bland or kind of shit on it because it's not competing for a college football playoff. I'm not, I'm not even saying it's not even it's, it's not even a way of shitting on it. It's just saying like I'm honestly I'm somewhere between. All right. Who is this that we just hired? Is it Tommy Tuberville? Is it Luke Fickle? Right. Is it going to be a disaster or is it going to be fantastic? I don't know. And either way, we're in the first year of an unknown. And so I'm just, I'm going to watch it play out. I'm going to have fun with it. I'm going to watch it. I'm excited. I am excited. This is a great class. 
or shaping up to be a great class. But we've also, you mentioned it, a great recruiter at Louisville. And what did he do there? Laid eggs. So I'm not exactly going to sit here and just be like, oh, rah, rah, rah. We have this great recruiting class until we see Kenny coach. Like, what if we were sitting here right now? Let's let's flip the switch and and you know do the do the mental exercise with basketball because we don't have top twenty five recruiting classes coming in right now with with Wes Miller. But if we did have top twenty five recruiting classes coming in with him, and we were getting the results that we've had over the last two seasons, we would be very meh about Wes Miller. Which I know some people kind of are on the borderline of that that phase with him, but. You know, I'm just saying flip the switch right now. And so I want to see what, what he's going to do as he's recruiting, as he's as he continues to build his thing. Because at the end of the day, he still has a great core on the ro- uh, for the roster of, of some great players that, that did stay and didn't transfer. So I'm just going to sit here and say, let's see what happens. I think that you're totally missing the point that the level of excitement or buzz around the new hire on basketball versus football is that it's totally influenced almost entirely by the circumstances and context of where those programs were at the time. Wes Miller was replacing John Brannon in a catastrophic tenure that resulted in, in a four cause firing after two seasons. Scott totally Satterfield, Satterfield totally, totally unjustified. Scott Satterfield is taking over for a coach who left the football program after only a year after making the college football playoff to take a job at Wisconsin and you don't see the difference necessarily in two, the two trajectories of the program. When we hired Wes Miller, everyone was fired up. Everyone was on cloud nine saying this guy gets it. He understands the culture of Bearcat basketball. He understands how to re-engage the, the important and the, the alumni base that we so closely hold dear to our hearts. And what have they been saying about, Satterfield, we do. You, we just came off the greatest run of UC Bearcat football history. You know, we wanted to build this. No, to quote the former I'm guilty coach, of it, we dude. want to build this into a top ten program. And you have an opportunity here to to capture the fan base, to keep the fan base, to keep them engaged, to keep the momentum of people fired up about UC football. And right now, the only thing that is actually coming through, which is great. Is, is recruiting. That's all he can do. There's no football being played. I don't know. That's what I'm saying. So why, why, so why, why are you do excited? I have to be fired up? Why, are you, why do I have to be why are fired, you fired up, up about it? Why aren't you fired up? Because frankly, all I, he's doing I, right I now is recruiting and he's doing it well. Because all I can see is that he recruited well at Louisville and it didn't work out there. There even, I don't know. It just, it didn't work yeah, out. So, so I'm not, you've made I'm a taking a completely you've different been, stance than when John Brandon came here. I'm taking a completely different stance when Wes Miller came here, right? I'm just maybe because I'm, I'm sick of going out and being like, you know what? This guy's going to get a statue. This guy's going to the Hall of Fame. No, freaking show it. Like, show me what you can do before I'm going to get excited. I'm still going to watch. I'm still going to be a fan, but I'm just not going to sit here and, and just give this guy carte blanche the, the benefit of the doubt. Because in fact is he is an experienced head coach. He has plenty of background of, of, of a track record to say what kind of coach he is. Where Wes Miller came from UNC Greensboro, had that track record, but still small school. John Brandon had only a track record really of, of NKU. They didn't have these these large things of where they were running a power five program or even a an American athletic caliber program, which doesn't even say a whole lot there, right? So it's like 
now I feel like there was more, there's more of that. I can give you the benefit of the doubt because this is your first time working with the program in in the way we view Cincinnati sports and Cincinnati basketball in particular, where I just think with football, we do have a track record to look back on. And it just, from the very beginning of the hire, I was like, okay, man, let's see what you can do. Let's see if this is the spot where it hits. If this is where lightning strikes, I'm so glad. And if it's not, well, well, we played it safe. I feel like we played it safe. Here's the thing. I'm with you in the sense that when Scott Satterfield was hired as the head coach, we were both kind of like, really? All that silence, all that confidentiality, all of that, you know, misinformation in a vacuum in Scott Satterfield, who you hired John Cunningham, really? And so I, there was a level of skepticism when he's hired. But since then, all we have to evaluate him on is coaching staff hires, which I think are hit and miss. You know, he hired a few guys, lost a few guys already, hired a great recruiting staff by all by all accounts. And then we see this recruiting staff starting to deliver. And since that's all we have to evaluate at this point, I'm saying that maybe there's a reason to open our hearts a little bit, to open our minds to the idea that Scott Satterfield at Cincinnati, at a program that has historically, at least in recent history, been far superior to what's happening down there at Louisville. Maybe, just maybe. He could be the guy. Look, get us bowl eligible, win a bowl game since we haven't done that in a few years. And frankly, I'll, I'll be happy. Okay. I'll be happy. I'm, the bar's not high for me this year. It really isn't. Bowl eligible. Ben Bryant. Win the, win the Motor City Bowl. All right. Win the Birmingham Papa John's.com. You know, I love Ace that bowl. Hardware. I love that bowl. The whatever bowl, you know, win it and I'll be happy because it's literally been we haven't won a bowl game in like in in quite literally what, four years now. Win the avocado bowl. Well, Hummer Ben Bryant was not the only Bearcat that entered the transfer portal recently, and in the spirit of transitioning our conversation back to the basketball court and everything happening around that program. Let's talk about the fact that Jarrett Hensley officially entered the transfer portal and opened up the second spot for the Cincinnati Bearcats to fill. They've obviously they've pulled in Jamil Reynolds from Temple, big man, very large man, 6'10", 280. This is a large, can feed him in the post, back to the basket scorer. But they now have two other open spots, one from... Landers Nolly declaring for the NBA draft and one from Jared Hensley now entering the transfer portal. There's a lot of, a lot of noise surrounding the Bearcats basketball program. There are potential incoming transfers. At one point we were connected to Aaron Estrada from Hofstra that has seemed to go to the wayside um, as he is expected to go to Alabama. There's other, there's other, there's other names we're connected to though. How are, Where's your head at right now? I don't even know what, how to ask a question here. Where's your head at right now with Cincinnati Bearcat hoops? Uh, I'll start with with the Jarrett Hensley uh, entering the transfer portal. I'm not going to go and, and bash bash the bash the kid. You know, obviously wish him well. And I, I, this is what I have to say about it. To those who are about to die, we salute you. <laughs> <laughs> we appreciate your sacrifice, Jared. <laughs> Uh, we wish you luck in your endeavors because 
you know, chances are you're, you're going to go somewhere and you're going to get more playing time than we would have gotten here. So uh, that being said, we got two more spots to fill. <laughs> <laughs> Look, the, the basketball program's in an interesting place, Hummer. I, the conversation around I, the narrative shaping that happens with some of the mainstream media in the Cincinnati market is just wild to, to watch because all last season, all last season, what I heard was that, you know, the reason we had to settle for the likes of Rob Finnessy and Kalua Zikbe is that we're in the American athletic conference and it's really tough and difficult to recruit to that conference. What Penny did at Memphis is a little different because Tennessee has different NIL rules and the school can literally partake in those recruiting efforts, which is a, a literal infrastructural foundational advantage at that, that school. What do, you, what do you mean? What do you mean by that? Like they have different rules around it. Like Penny was able to do it before it was real. No, it's more that the university itself, like there's, there's laws now in place in Tennessee that allows the schools themselves. Yeah. To be basically like uh, immune, immune from whatever the NCAA Correct. may bring down. Correct. That's why, that's why you've seen the volunteers go bananas. It's why you've seen, you know, FedEx get involved with, with what's happening at Memphis and, and touche, right? Right. You should take advantage of those things. But what we heard was that, you know, moving to the big 12 would open doors for bigger names. And by no means am I saying that, you know, Wes Miller in his first year in the big 12 is, is expected to have a top five class or expected to land, you know, three of the top 15 portal names out there. That's not what anybody is saying. There's, there's gray there. But what's happened instead is you've just seen us, you're seeing the Aaron, Aaron Estrada go elsewhere. You're seeing the Bearcats connected less to, you know, some of the bigger names in the portal and more to the, you know, a Jamil Reynolds, who's a role playing big from Temple. You're seeing him connected to uh, Luco from Butler, who I'm not going to even say his full name because it's not ingrained in my brain, but he might be someone who commits. And I, I guess what I'm saying, you know, at some point, aren't we, aren't we to expect more in the portal? Like this is, it's still open and I, I'm, I'm hesitant to go in on it because there's still things left to play out. We don't know. I'm sure that Dollar, Morgan, Wes, like they're figuring out who is still left to come. There's people that are still going to enter the portal at this point, but I don't know. It's just, it's, it's leaving me, I, the reshaping and reframing and preemptive defending uh, of, of the results in the recruiting portal. Just, it, it strikes me the wrong way. I, I would personally like to know more about the process of recruiting in the portal. Is it more, I guess, I would like to know more about the process of recruiting in the portal versus actual high school recruiting, right? What is high school recruiting? I'm sure there's NIL conversations that obviously happen, or we know what happened with Isaiah Collier, you know, but I'm curious what those looked like for, for Gizzle, what those look, looked like for Griffin. I, I'm curious. And, and is the portal purely, for the most part, when it comes to these big, big names in the portal, all about the dollars? Or is it also about the coach? And I say that because... I'm looking across the street, uptown, at our in-state rival, and seeing that they're pulling some decent size names to the portal to come play for for Sean Miller. 
but we're down here with you know the big school the bigger bigger donor base you would assume nil collective all this stuff yet we're having trouble pulling any sort of big name from the portal or being connected to them in a meaningful way and it in it just seems like we're, we're going the opposite direction so it's lending me to think two things one they're both pretty negative in my opinion but one is wes miller just does he not does he drink coffee prematurely right does it's coffee is for closers here and and two is maybe our administration too involved with our nil collective it's a great question the second part is a great question i I'm sympathetic to when, when, with regard to before we get into that, I think that's a very interesting topic with regard to closing. I would say this. I am sympathetic to the fact that when you throw your name into the hat with the best names in the portal, you're going to get burned. You are not going to win all those battles. You're going to be told no. You are going to be left without a dance partner. That is going to happen sometimes. And so touche on being at one point seemingly a favorite in the Estrada sweepstakes. It does appear as though we may have been out outbid. It does appear as though he was a a six figure deal that that was going to require significant dollars, and, and and a lot of it's unfounded. But he went to well, yeah, he went to Alabama where they lost three coaches and had uh, one player uh, basically accused. We'll say accused, accused of murder. Another player who's I think they're debating whether they're going to press charges I think, for. I think the former the former murder. player was accused. I think it was a former player. Whatever. No aiding and abetting for Brandon know. Miller either. All of this, these are just wild. Wild accusations. But if you read what happened, like, dude, he drove the gun to the place. Like, come on. This is clearly, there's some messed up stuff there. Wrong place, wrong time, according to the head coach, Nate Oates. Yeah. Yeah. This is Alabama sweeping, sweeping everything under the rug for the sake of athletics. <laughs> yeah. And, and, I, I think to answer, Sorry, but yeah, to answer your question I, to an extent, the portal, from everything I've heard with everybody I've talked to, the portal is very much a money talks situation. These are players who are coming from mid-majors. Like Aaron Estrada is honestly the perfect example. Extremely productive player. Highly recruited out of high school. Didn't fit perfectly at Oregon. Transfers to St. Peter's, I believe. Then to Hofstra. Talent starts... starts living up to those expectations and doesn't necessarily have, you know, wildly optimistic NBA prospects. And so I'm going to enter the portal and leverage my current value and in a market for, with highly desperate head coaches and programs who want my talent to say, what, what's, what, what are you willing to pay? What am, what are my services worth to you? And Alabama is in a better position than us. No question right now from an NIL perspective. So it's not surprising. With respect to the second question, which all of this is entirely speculative, but I would say this. Our NIL is incredibly buttoned up, right? It was slow to get off the ground in the first place. Luke Fickle was slow to adopt and honestly just probably slow to think that he really needed it. I think we saw leakage in terms of recruiting because Luke Fickle cared less about NIL than he should have. And he's probably come to a, the realization at Wisconsin that We've got to play in these waters. Has he? Have you seen his early recruiting rankings in Wisconsin? Right. And we won't, I'm, I don't want to get too sidetracked with Luke Fickle, but the point is, West Miller was the opposite. I think West Miller. Spoiler alert. They're only one spot ahead of the Bearcats. Right. Which 
They're in the top twenty. So I'm not I'm not ready to go full on shit on Luke Fickle and it's recruiting because they're one spot. Well, my point is is they're only a spot above us, and if he's not embracing it or if he is, it's you would expect him if he's that hot shot. I don't know. Sorry. Nine we're not, nine minutes we're not gonna, I'm not gonna break down. I'm not gonna break down Luke Fickle's recruiting class. Nine minutes ago I was celebrating the recruiting successes of Scott Satterfield and the fact that he was off to a hot start. I can't then go, yeah. And Luke Fickle's shitty because he's one spot ahead of us in the recruiting rankings. That doesn't make sense. That's two. It's shitty. It's shitty because he thought he didn't think he could do it here. That's why it's shitty. Yet here we are, one spot behind you, buddy. You're not doing that much better than what you were doing here. Touche. Wes Miller was full aboard the NIL train when he's here. But we struggled to get the infrastructure off the ground. Since he reigns goes live late 2022 and when you see Cincy Reigns and their formal announcements and communications you see press conferences with Brian Fox sitting right next to John Cunningham John Cunningham is literally elbow to elbow with the leader of our NIL collective and that's not to say you know our collective is not being run by the actual money it's being run by a lawyer with the expertise to keep UC out of trouble. And he's doing so in tandem with our athletic director, which in my mind would likely make this a more conservative NIL because of the fact that they want to avoid punishment, avoid trouble, avoid doing the wrong thing. You know what? That's my vibe when you have the AD that, that close. I, I, and I actually, I don't disagree with you. I don't disagree with you in anything that you're saying there, that that is how they're actually running it. What's frustrating is, is that we've seen this time and time again from the Bearcats program of playing conservative. Bob Huggins was starting to play fast and loose. Starting? And yeah, he was. And they cut him, right? They got rid of him. And then they wanted someone squeaky clean. Mick, by all accounts, was to the letter squeaky clean at UC for what we know. That man's hands were covered in blood while working for Rick Pitino. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It doesn't matter. It can like, and I'm not, and I liked, uh, you know, Mick was fine. This isn't, this isn't an indictment on Mick at all, but I'm saying like the university seems to take that approach of like, we want guys who are going to quote unquote, do it the right way. And there's a certain point with the NIL being so new that maybe you take the tech startup mindset and go wild because probably what is going to happen is the state of Ohio will this will be this will be my guarantee there will be a law passed in Ohio aimed at protecting Ohio State and that law will also encompass other universities every university in in the state including Cincinnati we will benefit from any law that is passed similar to the one in Tennessee to protect Ohio State it will happen People in Columbus, where the where the law is made, do not want to see Ohio State fall behind in any any respect to from an athletic competitive competitive positioning. I don't know if I would be as as conservative with this NIL. I almost would be on the front of maybe saying, "How do I start my own NIL?" Where I don't care what the university thinks, right? I don't really care. I'm just going to go and say, you know what? We've raised three million dollars and. I will go independently to Isaiah and say, what did they offer you at USC? I'll give you a hundred grand more. Here you go. Come be a Bearcat. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just, I, to me, I'm not like excited when I'm saying like when I am seeing 
John Cunningham sitting next to it, it introducing the collective almost as it's like, yes, we are going to make sure that we're doing this quote unquote the right way, because frankly, it's caught sports. It's dirty now. I don't care about the right way anymore. I don't really care. It's just that there isn't a, there isn't a right way. Like you, I guess you could say you're doing this in a, in a hyper clean way, buttoned up. It's it's stable and and built we even for the have long term. About it? Well, they're just it, it's. Are I there get rules it. Behind it. No, what what Brian is doing is building something that could be sustainable into the future and can be, you know, bigger than any one individual. Whereas you compare it to what what was happening at at Miami, where they literally. They retain players from the transfer portal. Uh, they retain players from last year's roster from entering the transfer portal based on John Ruiz's commitments to their NIL efforts. You saw them lure incredible talent and, and still did for the 2023 class for their football team. And you saw it result in a Final Four run. You saw it result in, in an incredible run for their women's basketball team. And then the other side of that coin, though, is that John Ruiz and his business which is life wallet is tanking and collapsing. And all, all the buzz down there is that he's out of the NIL game. And just like that, the money's gone. And I think what, what Cincy Reigns is envisioning is something that isn't that there's, there's not the volatility year to year. This is something that can be sustainable, can build upon itself. But when you build it that way, the build is slower, right? When you're building something for the long term and for the future, like with, with, with the future in mind, you're building something that can ramp up a little bit more slowly. And is that hindering West Miller or are the recruiting results or the lack thereof a result of him, right? It seems like we're entering this place where if he's unable to deliver in the portal in our first year in the big 12 and his third year with Cincinnati, there's something missing. There would be something missing at that point. Is it the money or is it the re recruiting chops? Uh, I tend to lean towards it is the money. That's my vibe. We, if we look back and we've had these conversations in the past about the donor base of UC and it's, it's really, uh, there's a, there's a handful of boosters that, that prop us up. You know, they're building us an indoor practice facility. They're going to have their name. It's, it's the, you know, I think it's the Hirsch or whatever, the, the Hirsch sideline, right? They're donating a ton of money. I'm almost to the point where I am torn between wanting to donate my money to the collective or donating to UCATS. Because I also know that university going into the Big 12 is going to start getting a fat check to the tune of 40 to $50 million a year. Why are they still asking me to donate to UCATS instead pointing me to donate to Cincy Reigns? They have money coming in, revenue, a lot of it to come in. Why are you, what, what, what is that $280,000 that they raised on the UCATS day of giving? I think that ended yesterday. Would that money actually from a youth university of Cincinnati athletics perspective, be better off going to Cincinnati range where one, it will support university of Cincinnati athletes on the athlete level, right? On, in, in actually helping them live their lives use their take advantage of the moment that they may be in whether it's tennis swimming lacrosse whatever and instead you're asking me to donate it to you cats which okay you're getting 50 million dollars we have an endowment of one point something billion dollars we're worried about scholarship money 
Like, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm torn between, I'm torn between the two because at the end of the day, I know from an on-field perspective, what's really going to drive results is NIL. Question is slow build a real thing in today's college basketball environment is slow yes. build a real thing. I think it is. I do think it is, but I think it, it's, I think it's hybrid, right? You can have the fast build. You've had it in the past. So look, I mean, you had Kentucky wet back when what's his name? Why can't I think of the John Coward party first took over, right? Boom. It was like that instant success. He didn't have to build. He immediately got a class of, you know, two NBA players and, and, and another G, whatever. Instant success. You had it at Missouri. Almost instant success. Like, right, guy, guys out there has a good good squad. Uh, your guy. Uh, Why well, can't I think of your guy's name now? But uh, Dennis, Dennis Gates. Dennis Gates. And so you can have that. And with the Bearcats, and I think you're 100% right, the way we're playing it or the way maybe we're being – our coaches are being told to play it Right? They're looking for a specific type of coach. They're giving Wes a contract the way it's structured to give him a runway. He got already got an extension after last year, right? And got the pay raise to put, be put in line with, with the middle tier of the of the Big 12. His contract basically says, We're going to give you time. Don't worry about time. Build it slow. Do what you need to do. Get first year recruits. Get freshmen in the door. We'll plug some holes with the portal and keep recruiting. I think that that is, I think we're being told that I think that's the message from the athletic department is do that. They say the right way, build it slow, make it sustainable. I, I tend to agree with you. I, I asked the question, but I do tend to agree with you in, in this respect. I think you have to be able to build, to, to make something that's sustainable year in, year out. You have to start creating a pipeline of attracting high school talent that comes in the door and begins developing in your program from freshman to sophomore year. They take a step forward from sophomore to junior year. They take a step forward, so on and so forth. I do think that the reality of, of college basketball now is that the, the transfer portal is a real and important element of building a college basketball roster. And so yes, Jizzle James excites me. Yes. Day Day Thomas excites me. Yes, Daniel Skilling's growth over year one was fantastic. Josh Reed is certainly not someone you're writing off. This is someone who can grow as he gets stronger, faster, more physical, physically ready to compete at the college basketball level. Those things are real. But in order to have them sustain their growth and success at the University of Cincinnati, it's imperative that Wes Miller and his staff attract enough supplementary talent around them that can offer results in the shorter term. You need, you need guys in the portal to come in and hit for you so that your results don't go down to the point that you're leaving yourself vulnerable to have your young talent poached because they are the next class of potential transfer portal entrants. And so, it seems like there's more pressure than ever to succeed faster simply so that you can make sure you are mitigating against outside forces poaching your young talent. And that's why when we have these conversations about how good is a player A or how good is player B or how well do they fit into what we're trying to do here at the University of Cincinnati, it's totally fair game because the portal is an imperfect science and what we're trying to do is figure out how to hit 
how to succeed. Are these guys going to help us move the program forward and actually deliver winning basketball to Cincinnati again? I've been thinking about it like this, and, and I've been having this thought for a while. I think we, we talked about this offline, but when it comes to that portal conversation, we're, we're, we're see, I'm seeing a lot of people focus on we need to replace X. Like, we need to replace Landers Nolly's production. So basically what I'm hearing is you want to find – people want us to find a guy who scores like Nolly – but plays better defense. And well, let me, let me let you guys in on a little secret. If he's scoring like Nolly and he's playing defense, he's in the NBA draft. (laughs) It's not going to exist in the portal. Right. So, but when we look at the, at the, at the negatives of last year's team, every game where they played bad and we were we talked about it a lot. Hero ball. Another name for it is selfish. It was the me show. Let me do a one-on-one ISO. Let me jack up a three. Let me take the first shot. Me, 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 me. I don't think in this portal transfer, this portal season, we need to find a guy like Landers Nolly necessarily. We need a guy or guys who are going to mold into whatever Wes's vision of this team is in terms of playing a little more of an unselfish style of basketball. Guys that are going to be able to make an impact in in rebounding. Yes, we need some upgrades on on defense, but I don't think we need a guy. One guy is just going to come in and be, hey, I'm going to score 20 points, 30 points a night, right? And that's that's my only job. I think we need a guy who's going to facilitate. I think we need guys that are going to score. But I also think we need to see, and this is the big thing that you're talking about with like the growth, skillings. Imagine if Reed just takes the, the step to become like skillings was this year. I actually would take that from Reed if Reed was the skillings we saw this year and skillings goes in and takes, you know, takes a great leap in, in, in his sophomore year, right? We get some production out of Reed. We get 30 minutes then from skillings if he takes a leap, but then we got other guys coming in. We're talking in not this year, but the following year, if we're able to retain talent, you're getting a third year skillings, a third year Reed, a second sophomores in James Jizzle and, and, and Ravon, I mean, that's if they all if they can all hit, that's not turning out to be too bad of a core that we built around. But now there's momentum that you can go to the portal and say, look, come to Cincinnati. We're going to make the tournament. We're a tournament team. We need you to get to the next step. You're putting us over the edge. You are you are taking us past the threshold that we need to make a run. And right now, it seems like with the, with the departure of Nolly to Julius, we're, we're probably a little, t- it's, it's probably a tougher sell to deliver that message, but it does seem, you know, the, the, the question, you, you make a good point there about the offensive strategy and the type of basketball we are playing and the fact that we can lure a different type of player. It doesn't have to be apples to apples. It could be apples to oranges. If those oranges defend a lot better, it could be apples to pears. If those pairs can actually rebound. Cause we saw that this team had an exceptional record when they out rebounded opponents. And so we sort of know what we need. We knew we know we were devastatingly thin in the front court last season. I'm I obviously am, am I'm extremely pleased with the, the steps forward Vic Locken took. Odio Guam at the end of the season was a very serviceable big. Kalua Zikpe, you know, delivered nothing. In- where's, where's Vic going in the draft next year? 
<laughs> Vic can't go into the draft. He's going to be a super senior Bearcat that is going into, you know, inevitably going into the Bearcats Hall of Fame because of the steps forward he takes the next two seasons. All that's to say is we very clearly had a deficiency in the front court. Build a statue. West, Put the jersey up in the rafters. Wes Miller has one of those in the bag in Reynolds. But it's fair to look at Reynolds and say, okay, is he the type of big we needed? Like, is he is he a dominant rebounder? Is he a dominant defender? Because I don't think he's either of those things. But he's someone who you can go to in the post. And then it just makes me ask questions like, so what are we? What is the direction then? Like, what are we, what kind of basketball team are we trying to build? Are we focusing? Are we becoming more of an offensive focused team? Because when West came aboard, it seemed like it was going to be more of a defensive focus. And then you see what's happening, you know, with with the with the Butler kid. Which let me put a name to it. I'm tired of just saying the Butler kid, Simus Lucosius. Okay, a six seven, two hundred twenty five wing who offensively showed some things. How am I ever going to pronounce that? I'm terrible at pronouncing <laughs> names, so I'm just going to go the Butler kid. In in theory, <laughs> in theory, this kid can knock down threes. He can he can do a little bit off the dribble. His assist rate isn't terrible, but he's got very poor defensive ratings, very low steal rate. And you question, like, he's not going to be a defender. He's not someone who's transforming your defense. So if you look at him as coming in for Nolly, he's kind of a worse version potentially right now. But Wes Miller looks at it and says, two-year program, get him with Ray Felt, get him in better shape, get him in a, in a, in a situation that maybe suits his skill set better and maybe it develops. I'm not writing these kind of guys off. I'm just saying that we don't... Can I put a can I put an ast- a caveat in here? I just I'm just and if I'm wrong, call me out on this. He's two years, and that's of the four year eligibility. Which with the with the NCAA clamping down on transfers, if he were to commit to Cincinnati, we are actually guaranteed those two years because if he transferred again, he'd have to sit out. Is that correct? Yes and no, because it seems like there's a lot of guys who are still transferring for the second time and. You know, in all likelihood, a lot of schools are going to buy into waiving their their sit out year. Like Cincinnati, if you if, if Jared Hensley goes to another program, I feel like Cincinnati's going to do everything in their power to make sure he can play right away. And I feel like most universities are going to do that now. I feel like if you want the guy, it's going to sound terrible. If you want the guy to leave, you're going to waive it. If you don't want the guy to leave, maybe you're not waiving it. Maybe. I, mean, I don't know. I mean, you got to, th- I'm starting to think about it from the business perspective. Like, right. If, if, if the Butler kid comes here and he's good, why am I going to say, yeah, sure. Leave, go, go, go start at Duke. Unless you're going to the NBA, right. If you want to go to the NBA, that's fine. Yeah. Go to the NBA. But if you're not going to go to the NBA, then uh, no, I'm not going to waive it. Like you're playing, you're, you're a Bearcat or you're not. I'm glad we had this talk because it. I think what it captures is the conflicted feelings I have about it's. It's very. It's very much it's business. not college basketball. It's just the program right now is still in a state of flux. There's so much uncertainty. There's still there's uncertainty, and yet I still look at the roster and say, like, man, I cannot wait to watch Jizzle James in a Bearcat uniform. I can't wait to right. watch Year Two Daniel Skillings. I can't wait to see Vic Locken shut up all the haters on Twitter. Like I just. There's so many things I still. There's really haters of Vic Lockton on Twitter. People are so dismissive of Vic Lockton. I am. There are there are enough people who have been dismissive of him, as someone who can't hack it in the Big Twelve. That I have now made it my sole mission in life to smite them, and to make do sure people, they were remi- reminded of writing off 
one of the great Bearcats of this century. Can we just remind people that the Big 12 is still college basketball? This isn't the G League. This is, these aren't actual true professional basketball players. These are still college teams they're going to be playing against. And when you, like, I think someone was pointing this out, the difference between, like, in Kempom, the top five versus, like, the the number number six through 20 is so close, or six to 25 is so close. And that, like, 25 to 50 is so close. Like, there's not a big, big wide spread when you start taking out these chunks of of rankings of these teams. And, like, it's still college basketball. Like, Someone pointed out in 2018, we were the number four team in, in Kempom, right? Like, look at the squad that we have there. Not a single one of those players. Is Gary Clark still on a full contract? I don't think he is. Is he? No. Not a single one of those one of that 2018 team is in the NBA. Might be in G League, might be in the D League, but they're not playing on NBA rosters. It's still college. My point is, it's college basketball. It's, it's a great point. It's college like, basketball. Oh it's college basketball. And Eric Lilly wrote a phenomenal piece on CatskellerSocial.club that outlined the fact that there's a ton of precedent over the last three years. Three years. I think eight out of 11 teams in a very similar situation to UC from a Ken Palm ranking standpoint were able to elevate their program within a season and get back into tournament contention or making the tournament. And so to put a bow on that basketball conversation and maybe the conflicted feelings I'm having right now about it's, I guess it's portal uncertainty or portal performance, whatever you want to call it. It could be done. Like there, there are, there's precedent for getting out there, snagging the right players to supplement the current roster construction, because it's not an, it's an imperfect roster, but it's not a failing roster. There are guys and building blocks on this team that can contribute to winning basketball. How are we identifying the right types of players and right types of talent to bring in here and deliver improved results year over year, not improved record, improved play basketball that stacks up against the best teams stacks up against top 25 teams stacks up in a way that allows us to pull up sets, win big games and compete night in night out defensively. Can I, can I, can I tell you the other, this working theory? And tell me what you think about it. The reason why I think there's so much anxiety around the portal, because there was last year too, but I feel like this year it's amplified because this team was, well, I think we talked about it. Like you flip the script on three of these games, right? You take, take one, maybe, maybe you take that one from, from Houston where we're leading most of the game. You take one from Memphis and you don't lose the NKU. And this is all of a sudden a bubble team that we're talking about you know, maybe with the, with the tournament run in, in the, uh, in, in the AAC championship, then, and you're in the, and you're in the big dance, right? It, it, it could have so easily been that if, if certain things would have happened, but at the same time, I'm looking back and thinking, okay, we haven't been now, this will be four years in a row. We just, we went on a run of nine years, COVID happened. We haven't been in a tournament legitimately that happened in three years, probably wouldn't have made it in, in the, in the, in the COVID year anyway. I don't think we would have. But not here to debate that. Jaren, I we haven't beat we haven't beat Xavier in four years. We haven't like we really just haven't accomplished anything since Mick Cronin left, and it's depressing. And we're so 
the fan base is so on edge because we are seeing, unfortunately, our crosstown rivals find success. And they found it immediately with Sean Miller, right? And, and I think we are so wanting to be back to that, that level of, all right, we're back to making tournaments, all right? We want to be in the second weekend so bad and that it's, it's anxiety-inducing that we don't see a clear path forward because you keep saying the word uncertainty. It's, it's so uncertain. It's not a slam dunk. At. Like uh, yeah. the, the popular phrase is the future is bright. Right, the future is bright. The future is bright. The future is bright. There's there's smatterings of signs, right? Like I I think the Jizzle James recruit is phenomenal. I think Daniel Skillings was a great get. I think Vic's development is a really good sign. But there's also these question marks. There's the late game execution. There's the hero ball. There's the inability to redirect the style of play of Jeremiah Davenport, yet continuing to play him despite extremely reckless and selfish basketball. So um, it's not that there's no positive signs. There are, there are positive signs, but there's too many question marks around the program. Still too many misses in the recruiting space to, you know, a lack of delivering in, in the portal outside of Landers Nolly. Nolly's another positive sign of landing him. It, it's just, it's a state of flux and it's, it's a, it's me wanting to continue to hold this program to a high enough standard to say we don't need to we we this doesn't have to be a four or five year rebuild this doesn't have to be six years there's there's ways to deliver faster and if we can't why like why can't we do better in the portal that's that's what's frustrating is not knowing why because now that we don't have the conference excuse anymore we're playing in the most desirable conference in college basketball this is a monster stage. This is a monster platform. And I don't believe what any of the talking heads have been saying about like Cincinnati being the, the worst job in the Big 12. Like you are, they are absolutely 110% full of shit. We've got fucking Jordan now, right? That's supposed to be a huge deal. That's supposed it's not just Jordan. Let's look at everything. Like let's, let's go back and this is, let's give Mick some of the props that Mick is due. The arena, we have a, badass arena that we play in right our our home court is sick the environment that we bring to that team that game that from all accounts that at our best at our best our home court advantage has not been as great in the last few years it it needs to be restored but it is at its best the nit that's how desperate we are for for postseason play look at the nit that, one game, the Virginia Tech sold out yeah. electric vibe. That was, fant- That's what I'm that was fantastic. About. That was fantastic. Amazing. We're we're so wanting that, and we, like I said, we have everything. Everything's there. The arena. We got. I think I do think we have the support of the fan base. I have not really seen people going off the rails. It, right. It's not. It's this is not John Brandon's second year. That is, we're not, no one is in that mindset of like, oh my God, this is clearly an abject disaster, right? That's not, that's not what this is. There is a path forward. We can see light at the end of the tunnel. We have great players in the funnel. We have great teams on this, players on this current roster who, mind you, are not in the portal. Daniel Skillings is not in the portal. Very true. Josh Reed is not in the portal. Victor Locken is not in the portal. Like, what else do we want? 
These are the guys we said we wanted to stay here. And guess what? They are. And if you go back and look on Twitter and look at everywhere, we're saying which players do we want to see enter the portal? Who were they? We knew Nolly. We knew we, we knew said, we knew Nolly was we said, Jer- we said Jeremiah. Jeremiah Davenport was priority one. Hensley was it wasn't so much a priority, it was just evident based on playing time. It was evident that he was not a part of West Miller's future plans. And so that that Hummer is exactly that's a great point. We're retaining core players that we wanted to retain. How do how do we get the right guys in the portal? How do we get the right guys to put around them? to ramp this thing up and to keep it moving forward, to keep it moving in the direction of retaining the right guys, adding the supplementary pieces and getting this thing back to the NCAA tournament. Cause that's what it's all about. I'm not sleeping on, on day day either. I know no one wants to, you know, talk about Juco. It hasn't really been a big thing lately, but my theory is, and it's completely just a theory. It's not based on any evidence whatsoever. If someone can go out there and, and uh, you know, do the math for me, that'd be great. COVID with the extra years, super seniors, six-year players or whatever, a lot of extra scholarships are being taken on 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 these college rosters. And I think there actually probably is JUCO talent that we haven't seen in past years that they probably should have been on a D1 roster as opposed to being being in JUCO. So I'm, I'm hoping maybe Day-Day Thomas is that, that diamond in the rough that you find. Uh, We've had success with it back in the '90s when that was a place to go. Maybe, maybe we're gonna. If Day Day Thomas becomes like a, a standout stud from there, like I swear I'm getting the jersey. Uh, sorry, he's gonna knock Trey Scott off as my favorite favorite Bearcat of all time. I, I really actually want to see Day Day Thomas just be like. In, it's trying to. It's not. Uh, it's not completely out of the realm of possibilities. Day Day can definitely surprise us. Not huge, but good with the ball. Good with the ball in his hands, can pressure on defense, can get into the Steve paint. Logan? Don't go too far. Don't push it. <laughs> Don't push it. Look, I appreciate you battling through this. Five ten on a good day. I appreciate you battling through this, Hummer. <laughs> let's let's wrap it up, and we'll get back on here uh, this weekend and chat some more. I hope people. I hope there was. I hope there was some positivity to come from this. I don't feel all negative. I hope. I hope you were able to feel the conflicted. The conflicted uh, emotion. For me, I apologize to everybody. Football, it, it's it's tough because I, I really just need to. I just need to see them play. I, I for me, I need to see the, the the product. I need to see it play out. That's just where I'm at. And like I said, I actually am not going to apologize for okay. that. I think that you can you should be able to be a fan however you want to be a fan. Hummer, and you can feel however you want to feel. Do you love the Bearcats? So, Do you love the Bearcats? I love the Bearcats. I love the Bearcats too. I got to. I was uh, so Western Southern was in town in New York this this week. Uh, this is at the end of the podcast, so if you're sticking around for this, great. And if you work at Western Southern, thank you. Uh, this is not sponsored by them in any way, shape, or form. Uh, I had to do I had to get up and do a presentation, and when they introduced me, they uh, they you know this is Ryan Hummer, blah blah blah. It's what he does, and he's from Cincinnati, and they didn't talk about you know what I've done in my career, you know like where I've worked, my background. They go. He's from Cincinnati, and he's a huge Bengals fan. Loves the Reds. Went to the University of Cincinnati. Is a diehard Bearcat fan. That's how I got introduced. Diehard Bearcat fan. He a Bearcat. We a Bearcat. Go Bearcats. <laughs>